Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Yes, it's Monday. We're broadcasting live from the Freedom Phone Studios here in Washington, D.C. at the Just the News headquarters, the brand new Just the News headquarters. We just moved in the last couple of weeks, got spacious new digs, a really modern looking newsroom and a vast, expansive television radio studio where we can grow our TV and radio every day. We're really excited about that. One of the things to check out if you're on Rumble or if you're on Just the News, check out our brand new one and a half minute newscast. It's a mini newscast for the people on the run. If you only got 90 seconds, our good anchors, Sophie Mann and Madison Foglio, have you covered with Just the News Now. It's a very simple video, easy to watch. You can find it on our Rumble channel, Just the News at Rumble, or on our website in many of the places. Uh, it's a great 90 second news fix you can get up on all the headlines and not have to think too hard you can be listening to it while you're walking and jogging when you're in the shower wherever you're going it's a good quick way to get a headlines of the top news coming out of just the news all right today we've got john zadrozny uh, really one of president trump's most important immigration and homeland security advisors he worked inside the white house as a deputy assistant to the president and a senior advisor on policy and uh, before that he worked on the same issues for Senator Ted Cruz of Texas on the Hill and also House Oversight and Government Reform Committee Chairman Daryl Ice of California. We had him on here not too long ago. Uh, Zadrozny was one of his important immigration and homeland security experts. He is going to give us a big warning about what may happen on immigration inside the infrastructure bill. And say, wait a second, infrastructure has nothing to do with immigration. Well, guess what? John Zadrozny is convinced that, well, and he's giving us an early harbinger. And he went down to the border recently in Texas, and he saw something that deeply, deeply troubled him. We had him on the show just before he left for that trip. When he came back, he told me about this. It's extraordinary. You know what it is? They're putting illegal immigrants on planes without ID requirements, meaning they have to show and prove who they are. Mm, he saw it firsthand at an airport. He was told about it by law enforcement. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that as well and many other things, including China appeasement and other, other important issues. Now, over the weekend, we had a couple of very important stories, and I want to make sure that you're up to speed on them. And then we're going to get to John Zadrozny in just a few minutes. But uh, this is one we will talk to John about. Over the weekend, last year, the FBI and other law enforcement, the Justice Department, ICE and the CPB, 
worked to arrest many Chinese academics, researchers on U.S. soil who got here and falsely claimed they had no connection to, to the Chinese PLA military when, in fact, they did. One of them was accused of stealing vials of uh, biological research from, from the U.S. lab where they were working. Many lied about direct and indirect connections with the Chinese military, even though they're required by the law to disclose that. And as you know, many people have uh, over the years uh, warned us, including Chris Ray, the FBI director, about the Chinese efforts to steal their way into being an innovator, basically taking our intellectual property, our inventions, our innovations, stealing them through espionage and bringing China closer and closer to economic competitiveness with the United States. That is a real threat. And over the weekend, the Biden Justice Department decided, you ready for this, to drop the charges, to drop the charges against five Chinese researchers who were accused of lying about their military affiliations. What good is enforcement if you let people off the hook? What message does this send to the U.S. law enforcement who worked those cases or to China who has a concerted effort to steal our technology? Very important story. Don't miss it. Uh, it's uh, one of the top stories on Just the News right now. And uh, it is an important one all around. All right. And another story. This is one by yours truly. I did some research over the weekend and pulled this together. The FBI has a sex problem, a sex capades problem, I might argue. Uh, if you go back to January, there have been over a dozen major sex scandals, sex investigations, ranging from illicit office romances to very, very serious workplace harassment, the sort of stuff that Me Too was supposed to stamp out. This is egregious behavior. You do not want agents feeling like they have to have sex with their bosses to get ahead. You shouldn't have superior officers engaging in romances with their direct reports. Um, and you shouldn't have the sort of uh, behavior that uh, was laid out in a couple of the IG reports over the last few weeks. Um, uh, just some really, really uh, extraordinary ones. Back, I think, just in April, there was a former SAC, a special agent in charge of an important office in New York. I think it was Albany. And this supervisor was allowed to retire, was not punished, even though his colleagues described him as a skilled predator who touched female employees inappropriately, solicited one for sex in a conference room. And uh, you say, okay, well, I got a bad egg. What's that mean? Well, one of the things that the women who were inter interviewed in that investigation said is they felt almost obligated to engage in a sexual or romantic relationship with their boss because if they didn't, they'd be have their careers ruined. That is not the type of environment we want our agents working in. Chris Ray has to do more to get this under control. It's clear, and that's what the IG said. Listen, his, uh, one of his assistant directors just was dinged by Horowitz, the IG from the Justice Department, last Thursday for having an affair with a subordinate, not disclosing it, and disrupting the good work order, the confidence of her staff by engaging. This isn't just men. It's men and women on both sides. We know the old Pete Struck, Lisa Page affair that occurred in the middle of a Russian counterintelligence investigation. Why is that problematic? We know our foreign adversaries use sex as a form of compromising our agents. Here were two working on one of the most sensitive investigations in recent history, and they were having an affair that left them open to compromise, and no one seemed to care inside the FBI. Um, in June, uh, an FBI agent in Louisiana was arrested and charged with sexual misconduct with minors 
having sex or inappropriate sexual contact with juveniles under the age of 13. That's a senior FBI agent. It's been around 20, 30 years. Uh, also last month, an FBI agent in Las Vegas filed a federal lawsuit alleging her office operated like the boozed-up frat house where a male superior solicited her for sex while another texted her a photo of a rainbow-colored sex toy. Do we really want our FBI supervisors behaving this way? The FBI keeps telling us they have this issue under control. Guess what? They clearly don't. In March, they had to pay a $1.2 million settlement to a current FBI uh, supervisor agent whose lawsuit uh, disclosed that she had been harassed and retaliated against by a squad of male colleagues. Um, and then there was an assistant director back in January, an assistant, sorry, an assistant special agent in charge, an ASAC, they call them. Uh, again, was not prosecuted, um, uh, even though an internal investigation confirmed he had engaged in unwanted physical sexual contact with an af- one FBI employee at an after-hours event and previously made multiple unwanted sexual, sexual contacts with two other FBI employees. What's going on? Boorish behavior, illegal behavior, and very little punishment. Most of these people are being allowed to retire. There are no prosecutions. What good are Me Too rules and laws if the people who violate them egregiously? We're not talking about you know close cases where maybe something was consensual. We're talking about overt violations of the FBI's code of conduct, overt violations of workplace rules, sexual harassment rules. The FBI, as one woman said, is being run more like a frat house. I wonder why they can't catch criminals. They're too busy trying to catch something else. Terrible. It's bad. Go check this story out. The headline on it is a pretty easy one to remember. FBI sexcapades. Bureau rocked by illicit office romances and workplace harassment. I can make an argument. Assaults or another one. Uh, when you see words like skilled predator, frat house, in official investigative documents and official court records, it's a red red flag. The FBI has yet another problem, uh, and uh, someone needs to step to the plate and fix it. Women, men, um, subordinates should not feel they have to tolerate sexual harassment, sexual assault, unwanted sexual t- texting, pressure to engage in illicit romances on the in the workplace. We're better than this. The Bureau's better than this. The people of the FBI are better than this. They deserve something better than this. All of this and the reports are laid out in the story. Go to the Dig In tool. You don't have to take my word for a single word of it. You can go and download the reports and read them and see the behavior and the lack of punishment. That's the other thing. No punishment for most of the people in these cases. Something's wrong with that. No consequences, no deterrent. All right, folks, we're going to take that course, a quick commercial break. When we come back here at the Freedom Phone Studios, we're going to be joined by John Zadrozny, a tremendous Homeland Security and Immigration Advisor for President Trump, previously worked for Ted Cruz and Daryl Issa, really knows the border. He's got some big news, some shocking revelations. Stay tuned. Buckle your seatbelt. You're not going to believe what's been going on at the border. You've seen a lot. You won't believe some of the things that John is about to talk to you. And he has a big warning about the infrastructure bill. You don't want to miss that right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. We've had him on this show before. You loved him. We invited him back a second time just so we can make sense of all the things that are going on at the border with amnesty, uh, uh, with uh, national security. Joining us again for the uh, for a second time is John Zadrozny, one of former uh, President Trump's top immigration advisors and homeland security advisors, all around expert on the border, very well respected before he joined President Trump. He worked on Capitol Hill for many years with Senator Ted Cruz of Texas and the former House Oversight and Government Reform Chairman, Daryl Issa. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's good to be with you again. Well, we are so lucky to have you. You do such important work as the director of the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration at America First. And um, I want to ask you, you know, we got this infrastructure bill. It looks like it's going to be a gigantic omnibus bill. Uh, Is there any chance that uh, the Democrats are going to make a play to try to get amnesty through in that bill? Uh, John, I think, unfortunately, there is a chance that could happen. And uh, it's difficult in some ways, but I think it's just something they want to do. And uh, there have been some people who have asked the question, how can you do amnesty in an infrastructure bill? I I think the simple answer is this is a remarkably honest move by the Democrats because they're using the infrastructure bill to build their future Democrat Party voter infrastructure. Um, This is not about national security. It's not about building roads. This is about an amnesty. And so um, that just means they'd like to add 20 to 30 million people to the voter rolls because they can't convince Americans about their viewpoints. So um, the way it would work, and this is, I'm not an expert on reconciliation, but in short, um, the Congress has the ability to, uh, the Senate in particular has the ability to skip the 60 vote cloture requirement for bills related to spending, taxing, um, and the debt ceiling. And so if they do a budget resolution, which they did this year, they can then pass other legislation and consider it to be a budgetary measure, even if it's not. This has been used in the past. Um, it's been used a very finite number of times over the last 40 years. Uh, an argument could be made that um, it's this is something that would not be germane for a spending bill, and it's going to come down to the Republicans uh, actually sticking together, working hard, and making sure that they uh, object to the provisions which are not budgetary. For what it's worth, an amnesty would be a colossally expensive uh, effort. And um, but that doesn't mean it's a budgetary item. And so that just means the Republicans have to be on the ball, fight to keep it out. And we'll see what happens. Such a good point. And uh, politically, I want to ask about all of those members in the House that are in swing districts, Trump districts, they're they're marginal Democrats in in their districts. Um, Is this a walk off the plank for them? If they vote for amnesty in, in this infrastructure bill, what happens to them in those swing districts? And uh, someone like I mean, Joe Manchin as well. Yeah, I mean, John, I think you're right. I think the answer is they're goners. Um, but the difference between the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, I mean, the Republican Party is like an open mic night at a comedy club, right? Everyone does their own thing. <laughs> the, the, the That's Democrats, a good one. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Sometimes it is. <laughs> I mean, they, they all act like they're in, in it for different reasons. And the reality is, at the end of the day, they shouldn't be. Uh, the Democrats, though, their people will march to death to achieve a generational objective. Wow. So we saw that in 2010 with Obamacare, when basically Nancy Pelosi stupacked all those poor guys um, yeah. and women who were um, not going to win, and they all knew it, but they were willing to sacrifice their House majority to pass Obamacare, and look, it's still there. Yeah. Um, so who, who can really blame them? They've got the party discipline to make it happen. 
Yeah, that is a difference. There's a lot of discipline, a lot of oaring in the same direction on the Democratic side, and there's a lot of oaring in circles on the Republican side some days, and, and the communication structures are another challenge. The, de- the Democrats use all the same language. They're very disciplined, and Republicans often are all over the map when it comes to messaging, and that um, that creates a, a real a gap in the in the marketplace. It's a, it's, it's a real challenge for conservatives. Um, I want to go back to a story we had over the weekend on Just the News um, at the uh, Del Rio uh, border sector. Uh, the chief there uh, said that uh, with the surge, recent surge in illegal immigrant crossings, that uh, they had seen a 900%, 900% growth in COVID-19 cases um, uh, uh, connected to illegal immigrants entering in, whether they were in the community or in the facilities or among the um, immigrants themselves. When you look at that as someone who had top-line responsibility for homeland security, is that creating a public health crisis for us? I mean, the answer is a resounding yes, John. And it's kind of remarkable to me the contrast between the way the American people are being treated, um, almost abused in the sense that in some places, particularly in blue states, they are being locked up. They're threatening to keep kids in school, uh, you know, at home again right. with five five layers of masks and hazmat suits and plastic. And yet an illegal <laughs> alien and by the by the tune of thousands can walk across the border with zero testing, zero medical scrutiny. And they're released to points unknown, infecting God knows how many Americans. Um, it's really quite stunning. But John, the last time you and I talked, I was sitting in an airport in Dallas on my way to Del Rio. And when we got there, we had three days of, of getting to know the community and seeing some of the problems. And you know, the reality is parts of the border, including Del Rio, have just been thrown open by this administration. They are okay with it. Yep. And I, I hope Americans are unhappy with the fact that they are under you know, essentially citizens are being treated like second-class citizens in the Biden administration. Um, and they have less access and less freedom than foreign nationals who are legally crossing the border. Um, and it's a real shame. And it's worth noting too, John, that the Biden administration is rumored to be considering ending Title 42, which is the authority the federal government has been using to turn away foreign nationals. So even with the exorbitant numbers we've been seeing, right. they have been turning some people away. It's remarkable to me that they're even contemplating getting rid of it at a time when the national emergency and public health emergencies are still in place. Um, as Nothing more than as a courtesy to the American people, Title 42 should remain in place until the public health and national emergencies are pulled down. Uh, it's a, an extraordinary um, contrast in, in not only policies and values, but in action. Uh, later today, I believe it is, uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is going to go to the border should be the la- latest of several really important Republicans that have all gone to the border, border and showed their support for the Border Patrol. Uh, some of those, um, uh, ha- like governor, uh, the governors of Florida and Texas, have actually sent troopers and National Guard to help guard the border in places where the federal government has abandoned the border. When you step back and you have everyday Americans, they're worried about getting their gas tank filled, getting their kids to school, getting to soccer practice, whatever it is. Do you see, do these border visits, do, the, do they create a really clear contrast with what the Democrats are trying to do? I think it, they do. One thing that I was striking about what was going on at the border is that, um, you know, whereas Americans are being locked down and, um, like I said, blue states are looking to reimpose some of the restrictions that destroyed the economy over the last year, um, illegal aliens are on the move. Like, basically, what, they, what we saw there was pretty remarkable. We basically saw 
we were told by locals, ranch owners, et cetera, what will happen is daily they'll see two things. They'll see um, in broad daylight hours, they'll see large numbers of people who were escorted by the cartels onto someone's private property, told to wait here. The Border Patrol will be there in about a half hour. Sure enough, the Border Patrol will show up, pick them up, take them to the center, process them, not give them the appropriate legal paperwork directing them to an immigration court. Then they'll send them to an NGO, which then gives them phones, food, money, and bus and airline tickets. But here, John, is a remarkable thing that I think the American people need to be aware of. We are, make no mistake about it, we are in a pre-9-11 threat environment. They are putting people on planes without passports or IDs. Mm. And so we, this was the sort of thing that we had heard when we got to Del Rio, when we were talking to the ranchers and the law enforcement there in the communities. We were skeptical because you say to yourself, well, you've got to show your dental records when you get on an airplane. How can someone get on a plane without an ID? We saw it firsthand. We saw a family from Uganda. By the way, it was very well-dressed and spoke fluent English and had a lot of money on them, yep. board a flight without a passport. And so um, not only are, is the contrast really sharp, but it's a, it's a dangerous contrast now. And I think the American people need to be fully aware that there are people boarding planes without proof of who they are, going to points unknown. And that's not only a, a health risk, that's a, a potential terrorism risk, and we have to take it seriously. Wow. So there are literally people going on commercial airlines for whose identity we can't verify. How do the airlines get asked to get away from that? I guess uh, TSA must have a, uh, the exemption, right? Someone, someone's exempting them from the, the requirement. That's a, yes, that's, that's correct, John. And I imagine that basically it's a twofold exemption. Like you shouldn't be able to get a boarding pass without um, ID, but then the TSA checkpoint should also be the second point at which you couldn't pass, but they are being allowed to pass through. And I, I don't know. We're, one of the things we're actually trying to figure out is where this exemption, um, where this exemption lies. Um, if, if, I think Congress really needs to take a hard look about preventing these types of waivers. The reality is, like I can imagine a scenario where we have to get a foreign national from point A to point B on a flight, an emergency situation. Yeah. But this is being used at the tune of hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals, and it's a significant problem. And by the, by the way, the country's still at risk, even if they're taking a bus. And by the way, I think the American taxpayer is paying for these airline tickets and these bus tickets. So I'm hoping someone is willing to get to the bottom of this. Well, it sounds like we at Just the News should get busy, sharpen our pencils, get working. Sounds like FOIAs <laughs> and stuff. We'll dig into that. That's such an important revelation, John. And, and I think, um, you know, just again, the, the sort of example of uh, the weakening, not only of immigration laws, but of national security common sense. It's uh, what I keep hearing from FBI agents, from uh, border agents uh, from U.S. intelligence um, experts and analysts who just can't believe what's going on right now. Now, the one place where common sense immigration uh, issues seem to continue to be upheld is in the U.S. courts. We just saw a ruling last week um, uh, barring the government, this is a U.S. judge, uh, barring the government from approving any new DACA applications. And that was the latest and maybe a string of six or seven rulings where in most cases, Judges have sided with the laws on the book, not with the exemptions that the Biden administration and the Obama administration have been giving over the years. Uh, is the courts where this issue ultimately gets resolved? Uh, unfortunately, John, I'd say no. Uh, I think we really are. Uh, you've seen the courts over the last few years, and they're a bit out of control. And the reality is that decision that you cited was a decision by Judge Andrew Hainan, who is probably one of the more reliable district court judges uh, in the Fifth Circuit. Yep. Uh, in fact, if you recall, he was the judge who put a pause on DAPA back in uh, 2015. Right. Um, so it, it's not like the courts, quote unquote, are doing a great job. It's really just Judge Hainan. Um, and so 
what really, on a, on a more serious note, that the problem is not, um, if we rely on courts to solve problems, we're never going to solve problems. The reality is the sovereigns at the state level and at the federal level need to address these problems. And the court's role should be pretty limited. Um, and I think states are reaching the point of, of exasperation where they see what happens when you put so much faith, both in a federal government that will turn off um, its public safety obligations, like an on-off switch, and courts that will chime in when they feel like it. Um, but I think we have to get back to a place where states are intricately involved in national security and public safety. And I think they're starting to see it. You're starting to see it. You've seen, you mentioned Governor Nome before. I believe she might have sent some National Guard troops to help she out did. Governor Abbott yep. in Texas. Um, I, I forget the exact line of states, but a handful of states have done so. Uh, I know other states are talking about doing so. The big yeah. question, I think, from the state's perspective is funding those those uh, shipments. Right. But they're waking up to the idea that they can't rely on the federal government anymore. And we might be at a point where we're going to start seeing state law changes and federal changes when Republicans control Congress again that will allow states to have greater flexibility outside of federal supervision in the immigration enforcement arena. Well, it's pretty remarkable. We saw another story out of Austin with um, Governor Abbott that we, for the first time, Texas uh, law enforcement, particularly state troopers, when a landowner near the border finds uh, illegal immigrants trespassing their land, they're now being arrested for trespassing. And I think there were 10 cases so far last week where that happened. So it does appear that some of the states, and we talked about this the last time you were on the podcast, that uh, given the abdication of the of the enforcement of the law that Congress passed at the federal level, uh, it, it seems to be that the states are going to step into that void. And it looks like since we last talked, some of that infrastructure is beginning to fall into place. Um, what, uh, what do you see, we're six months from now, do you see the states being the primary enforcement of uh, the border, uh, given where, where Biden is headed? Well, the, the way I would put it is this. There are some things that are 100% beyond the ability of states to do just because of foreign, um, foreign interaction and financial limitations. That said, and there are some things that Congress has to authorize. For example, theoretically, the states could be given greater authorities to do certain things, but that might require federal legislation to make it happen. But that said, states are sovereigns. We've, we've gotten away from this idea, even among conservative circles, that uh, the states are, in fact, sovereign governments that are separate from the federal government, and they have an obligation, an independent, sometimes constitutional obligation to defend their citizens. So what I think you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing a lot of states not only doing what Governor Abbott's doing, um, that's very limited because he's a border, he's running a border state, so you've right. got Arizona, New Mexico, California. You're obviously not going to get that type of response from California and New Mexico. Uh, the other states, though, internally, I think you're going to start seeing them step up and attacking the pull factors. And I think they should. Uh, you know, you may recall uh, about 10 years ago, there was a case that made its way to the Supreme Court regarding Arizona state's restriction of illegals being able to get driver's licenses. And the court struck it down. But the, the logic behind the court's decision was in immigration enforcement is the federal government's duty. Uh, it's hard to make that argument when the federal government isn't doing anything. And I think you're going to see states step up and try and do things like restrict driver's licenses, restrict public welfare, um, restrict public housing, et cetera. And I think that's necessary because if you ever want to prevent the flow you're seeing, someone's got to send the message that you can't come here, you won't get any goodies because the Biden administration is certainly not doing it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's an extraordinary time in our, in our history. The last time we talked, um, <clears throat> we also talked about the importance of keeping an eye on cybersecurity, which is continuing to be one of the great challenges in, in, in not only America, but the Western world. 
And uh, last week, the Biden administration announced that the Chinese were behind a massive hack of Microsoft email accounts. And I'm curious if, as you look out, it's one thing to announce it, but there doesn't appear to have been a significant penalty to China to send the deterrence. Um, what, how do you read, or is there a, really a Biden policy on cybersecurity right now that you can articulate? What, how, do, how do you take a look at their early cybersecurity posture? Well, with, with the caveat that I don't have any visibility into what they're doing behind the scenes, right? Um, it seems pretty chaotic and a little bit embarrassing. I remember, I believe it was a few weeks ago when uh, President Biden had a conversation with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin where he gave him a list of things and asked him, pretty please don't attack these industries. I, I can't imagine the Chinese saw that and were anything other than entertained. So the reality is that is the textbook definition of appeasement. And any authority that wants to use its um, cyber capabilities to cause damage to the United States, either its government or private industry, is going to do so at will. It was very lucrative for the groups that have done so so far. Um, it will continue to be lucrative. And it, one can only imagine a scenario, by the way. So far, John, we've, we've only been talking about the impact on private industry. Right. Right. Beef, gasoline, all of which are national security issues in a sense. But that's not power grid. It's not a nuclear plant. Uh, God help us if they're ever able to get their hands in, into access into one of these facilities and say, so we'd like $100 billion or we're going to blow up this nuclear plant. Um, I'm not saying that's possible. I don't actually know. I'd be curious, but I'll bet some sort of vulnerabilities can be accessed. And at some point, someone's going to ask for a bigger check. And it's not going to be from a private company. It's going to be from the taxpayer. Yeah, exactly. So I think they just need to get ahead of it. And I you know, wish them luck. Well, on the issue of appeasement, a lot of people I talked to this morning were, were stunned by the decision by the Biden DOJ to drop charges against five Chinese researchers who had been accused of lying about their military affiliations, basically coming in, embedding themselves in American universities, and then not disclosing their ties to military um, organizations back in China. Um, the Justice Department, FBI, did a lot of work. Uh, immigration officials did a lot of work to identify these officials, these Chinese academics, and to uh, detain them what message does this send to both China and the American public about Biden's intent to be tough on China? And that's a great what sort of information the Chinese government has on the Biden administration or the Biden family. Um, and you, you can't, I'm not being flippant about that. It actually makes me wonder how much they know about them and if there's any sort of pull here to prevent certain things from happening. Um, I can tell you, though, just from a policy standpoint, there's really nothing more America lasts than what you just saw by the Biden administration. Uh, these are people who are using their access to our country to steal information to make China stronger and more dangerous on the world stage. And um, there's really no excuse for it. I, I, I just, I hope people are watching. And you're right, a lot of work was done to make sure. We, I remember in the, in our, back in our day when we were trying to, to thread this issue, um, and I, you know, speaking in an unclassified vein, we were trying to do things that prevented people who could most use this information in a harmful way against us. Right from being able to do so while still being open to the Chinese people. And um, it's, you can do both. You just have to be strategic and intelligent about it. It just seems like here, they're just up for doing whatever the Chinese government wants. And uh, hopefully that won't have drastic national security implications for us all. It's um, important. It was about a year ago, I think it was, Chris Ray, the FBI director, was up uh, test, uh, testifying. I think it was actually at a CIS a CSIS event, if I remember correctly, back just before the pandemic uh, began. And he talked about just how 
effective and strategic and determined, and I think he used the word multi-layered, the Chinese espionage threat was. And he, he, I, I jotted down some of these words. I looked it up over the weekend in, in advance of our interview. And he said some of that, what I really thought was uh, a very, very strong uh, words. The Chinese have pioneered an expansive approach to stealing innovate, innovation, basically stealing America's technology, its best ideas, and making it their own. And that includes Chinese intelligence services, state-owned enterprises, private companies, and graduate students and researchers. He laid it all out for the entire world. And here we are less than uh, 15 months after that comment, that speech, and the Biden administration just let five of those academics off the hook. Um, is this a setback for security in itself? And if you're at the FBI or if you're at any of these law enforcement agencies that did the work to catch those guys, and those women, uh, what are the... Um, what are the messages that the Biden administration is sending to the top law enforcement intelligence officials in our country? Uh, John, I do believe that everything happens for a reason, but right now I'm still kind of fishing for this particular reason. It sends a terrible message to federal, state, and local law enforcement. Um, we've heard you know, offline from, from many of the dedicated men and women who work in DHS about how just bad it is. Morale is in the toilet. Many are leaving. Anyone who's going to, who actually believes that America needs to be protected and is close to retirement is probably going to do so. Um, they're, they're causing a lot of damage to our law enforcement infrastructure. And it really does raise questions about who's pulling the strings and why these things are happening. Um, one thing people forget about China, I think there are a lot of people in this country who like to um, spread a little too much sunshine over China and, or the People's Republic of China and what they're doing. The reality is there's no such thing as private industry in China. Right. It's an important point to remember. It is. People like to say, well, this is a private company. Um, there's no such thing. When you are in a communist dictatorship like the PRC, they control you. And they have a lot of arrangements with basically anyone who comes over here, companies, students, et cetera, saying you are obligated to contribute what you learn and discover when you get back. And there's incentivization for espionage, essentially. And um, these are things that need to be addressed. Obviously, we can't do anything about that just now. Um, but it really, it requires a bit of a new perspective. One last thing, I will tell you that um, part of the problem sometimes is people in government because they are so captured by bilateral and multilateral relationships that they never want to change anything. I mean, we used to joke, some of the dealings we had with people who were, who were very pro-China, pro-PRC, we used to joke they were trying to land jobs at Huawei after the administration. <laughs> uh, and like, yeah. I, I bet you some have. So it's- um, I can name a few but, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh, crazy. I, I uh, you know, I was uh, as I was preparing for this interview over the weekend. There, there was another great line in this uh, speech that Chris Ray gave, and he said that you know, the Chinese have admitted they don't have the engineering, the computer know-how, the science, all the great things that make America stand alone as the greatest innovative country in the world. And so they are. This is his own words. They've shown that they're willing to steal their way up the economic ladder at our expense to steal their way up the economic ladder at America's expense. Remarkable statement. And here we go. Uh, over the weekend, we let five of those uh, researchers that raised concern for our law enforcement officials walk free. It's just a remarkable moment. And uh, it didn't get the attention of the mainstream media that it should. This is a seminal moment of appeasement, I think, in, in this um, cat and mouse game that goes on between China and the United States. John, you, you do such important work at America First, at the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration. 
What's the best way for people to stay in touch with what you're doing every day, follow the good work, the research, everything that you're working on um, with Brooke and the team there? Oh, well, John, thank you for the plug. If anyone who'd like to see the latest on what we're doing in the Homeland Security and Immigration space, I strongly encourage you to come to our website, which is AmericaFirstPolicy.com, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Um, we're basically trying to stay on top of what's happening on issues um, and make sure that the issues stay highlighted and bring some voices to light that need some attention in the coming weeks and months. And, you know, we hope to continue to serve the American people. And, uh, yeah, whatever we can do, uh, I'll keep, we'll keep plugging away, sir. It is important work, and uh, we at Just the News really are following a lot of what you're doing because it's all fact-based. What's great about it, there's no spin in it. It's just here are some facts that you should know about, and it's so important to have facts and policy solutions and not all of the silliness that seems to dominate our cable TV networks that really mean nothing, right? You guys are giving us facts. You're giving us policies. You're giving us important developments in the government that aren't being exposed by other people, and um what a great resource for reporters and for everyday Americans. We're, we're so lucky to have it, and they're lucky to have you as, as their premier homeland security and immigration expert, John. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. All right. We're going to be sure to get you back on because the border, cybersecurity, China, they're not going away anytime soon. So we can't wait to have you back on soon. Till then, uh, best of luck and have a lot of fun with the work you're doing. Thank you, sir. You too. Take care. I will. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Wow, what a great interview with John Zadrozny. Do you feel like you learned a few things? I did. Uh, who knew that we were putting illegal immigrants on planes without official ID requirements? Some waiver going on there, according to him. And, of course, he's got a big, strong, cogent warning about the uh, failure uh, or the potential that Democrats will try to slip into the infrastructure bill. You know, supposed to be building highways, roads, you know, trains, airports. That's what infrastructure is, right? Well, he says that they may be adding to that a uh, uh, provision to legalize illegal immigrants in the United States, amnesty, as we call it. Uh, you want to watch out for both of those things. And remember, Every day when you hear the ads on this show, when you see the ads on our website, please support our advertisers and sponsors. They make this show possible. Their generosity not only gives us the ability to do shows and launch the website, but also to do the reporting. Every time you buy a product, you're helping to buy good journalism, honest journalism, facts, news, not noise. Information, not indoctrination from your favorite news site, justthenews.com. We're so grateful. Let them know when you support them that you're supporting them because of Just the News. You can use those codes like Just News, all one word, at the checkout of many of our great sponsors. Uh, very important stuff all around. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with some more scoops and certainly some big interviews here at John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. <laughs>